Alrighty, if you have your handout, you see we are on part four of topic number 12. And if you don't know what all that means, you haven't been coming on Sunday nights this year. We are working on a series called Understanding the Times, talk of tackling current moral issues and current event kind of things. And uh, topic number 12 is Matters of Life and Death. And it's taking us a little longer than our other topics. Uh, We're on part four. Part one was about the sanctity of life. We just went through the Bible and saw what it said about life. Uh, All all human life is sacred. Uh, Then two and three, we spent a couple of weeks on the history and the process of how we got to where we are in the current state America's in, where we have abortion on demand and uh, murder 4,000 babies a day. And then last time in part number uh, three, I guess, we worked on the physical part of the growth in the womb, uh, the growth of life there, and the process of abortion, what happens in that. So hopefully all of that together has got us understanding. Uh, the men of Iskar wanted, were able to understand the times, and they knew what Israel should do. So tonight is part four, and it's more of what should we do? What should a Christian do now that we understand uh, the times as well as we can, hopefully? So this is the reasonable stance for a Christian part. Uh, what, what do we do about all this? So we'll do this, and then in a couple of weeks we'll do part five and six, where we'll talk about uh, some other matters of life and death and a reasonable stance for a Christian on those, the end-of-life kind of decisions and euthanasia and physician-assisted suicide and all of that. So we'll talk about that in a few weeks. But tonight, a reasonable stance for Christians concerning abortion, and I just listed a, a few, uh, not all of them by any means, I'm sure, but I hope these are representative and can help us know what we should do. Number one, I put speak up. Uh, now that we understand it, I don't think we ought to be silent about it. Uh, it's not a uh, topic that comes up all the time, uh, and that's part of the strategy of the pro-abortion people. That let's just not talk about it. Let's use nice terms, and let's not um, make a big deal out of it. And uh, if you do bring it up, uh, you're immediately accosted as being uh, a terribly old-fashioned and out-of-date and... Uh, all sorts of bad things. So we tend just to not bring it up, not speak about it. Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9 says that God's people ought to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. For the rights of all who are destitute, speak up and judge fairly, defend the rights of the poor and needy. I don't think you can find any more needy uh, people in this world and innocent infants in the womb. So uh, the Bible says speak up for them. Uh, And what good will that do? Well, I put some statistics there for you. Uh, People are overwhelmingly anti-abortion for any reason in this country. I know that's not the way we hear it presented, not the impression we would get, uh, but that's the way it is. Uh, If you take a poll, somewhere around 25% of people say, yeah, you ought to be able to abort anybody for any reason, any time. I think that's probably high, but that's the number that polls give. 
And correspondingly, there's about 20% on the other end that say it ought to be illegal under any circumstances. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter how badly deformed the baby might be, whether it's rape, incest, the mother's going to die, whatever. No right to abortion. But the huge majority is in the middle. Uh, over 52% say, yeah, I can see where it ought to be legal for some things, but certainly not everything. Not just on demand. Uh, that's where the American people are. And a lot of the people you work with and go to school with and associate with, uh, if they ever heard anybody speak about it, they would probably uh, change their mind a little bit. They would probably be become more... Uh, interested in the plight of the unborn. So I think we ought to speak about it. That doesn't mean we have to go out and give uh, seminars on abortion, but if it comes up in some way, uh, if you see a poll in the newspaper or somebody at work says something about it or talks about voting or whatever, just mention that, you know, I, I think this is a real horrible thing going on in our country. And if they ask you why, give them a couple of quick reasons. Uh, hopefully you understand that now that we've spent three weeks talking about it. Um, and yeah, they may bring up the typical arguments. And when they do, uh, since you understand it, it's very easy to answer those. I mean, the number one objection is, well, a woman ought to have the right to control her own body. That's fine with me, but a baby's not her body. She shouldn't be allowed to kill another body. I mean, a lot of it's just faulty logic that we we tolerate these days. Uh, another thing, if, if somebody brings it up or wants to argue with you or says, no, abortion's a good thing and people, women ought to control their own body and et cetera, et cetera, uh, I'd suggest personalizing it. Say, when your wife was pregnant, what did you think? What did you, did you call it something? Or did you just wait until she was born and then say, oh my goodness, we have a human here? No, during your wife's pregnancy, how did you feel? Didn't you name that child and talk to it and all of those things? Well, why should anybody have a right to kill that? Uh, I think if you just speak up. People will begin to think, perhaps. Uh, and on this, and this is just my personal opinion, I know part of the problem in this country is the, the hardliners on both sides, and that's one of the current arguments, is there are hardliners, if you want to call them that, that say no abortions for any reason. Okay? All human life is precious. We, we don't want any rules to, to take any of them. Uh, I agree that's... Probably the right scriptural thinking, uh, and it's probably appropriate for discussing with some people. But when we're talking to that 52% in the middle, uh, in this political world, I personally think we should say, yes, here's what I believe. I believe all humans' life is precious and all that. But if you really want to discuss it and you really want to pass uh, reasonable laws, uh, I'll give you all of the cases where the mother's going to die, all of the cases of rape and incest. I'll let you have all of those if you give me the other 87% and keep them safe. 
Now, I realize some people say, well, you're, you're wishy-washy there. You're, you're giving in, all that. No, that, I think that's an argument that will get people's attention. Because the impression people have is rape and incest and mother's life and all that. That's 90% of them. No, it isn't. It's 1% rape and incest. And at the most, 12%, the mother's health. And I think that's way, way high. I think we call mother's health reasons almost anything these days. But at the most, it's that. So that leaves 87% where the baby is just an inconvenience. Uh, And I would say that would be worth arguing and worth uh, presenting that to just make people think. So speak up uh, as you have opportunity. Secondly, educate yourself and teach your children. Uh, That's our first responsibility. Our responsibility is not, first of all, to save this nation. It's a good thing if we can do it, but our first responsibility is to save our family. So work on that. Educate yourself. Hopefully in the past three weeks you've learned some about this topic. Uh, And our children need to be taught from an early age uh, a number of things. Number one, sexual morality. You know, that's the base problem of all of this is abortion. In fact, a lot of Planned Parenthood and all that says that abortion is a, a backup for contraception. That's an excuse or a solution uh, when there is sexual immorality. Uh, then you use that to take care of it. Well, we need to teach sexual morality and the consequences that come with sexual immorality. We need to teach children the facts of fetal development. What happens in the womb? What's the, what is the child like? And it's a real human. And show them the pictures that we looked at last week. Uh, I think kids need to know the truth about what abortion is. Uh, obviously, it needs to be age-dependent, uh, and they don't need to see all of the horrible stuff. But you, if you want to see horrible stuff, get on the Internet and Google uh, abortion, aborted babies, and you'll get more than your stomach can take. Uh, and to some degree, kids need to know that. I said last week I was going to ask the teens how much of what I talked about they knew, and most of them, or a lot of them, had seen the uh, emphasis about what happens in the womb and the fetal development? They've been taught that in some health classes and family classes and all that. Uh, but I didn't find one. I didn't talk to all of them, but I didn't find one that said they had been told what abortion really is uh, in the detail that I went into and what it is and what really happens. Uh, one young lady said her dad had told her some about it, but we need to tell our kids. Uh, that term doesn't sound bad. Abortion. Uh, but if you know what it is and what really happens, it sounds a little worse. So educate yourself and your family. Third, pray. I think that's the main thing we can do, the most effect that we can have. Uh, and I think we ought to pray specifically. Uh, and I gave you some different kinds of prayers here that you might consider. Number one, I think we ought to confess that our nation is sinful. And you say, well, I'm not doing it. (laughs) Uh, I'm not contributing to it. Well, Daniel didn't either. Daniel lived a pretty straight life. Uh, He's held true to God's law no matter what happened. But uh, in Daniel chapter 9, verse 4 and 5, he knew the mess that they were in because of the way Israel had behaved. Not him. He wasn't guilty of it. 
But you read his prayer in Daniel 9, verses 4 and 5. He says, I prayed to the Lord and confessed. We have sinned. We have done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. He hadn't sinned, but he was confessing to God. I recognize this. I recognize that our nation has sinned. I, I think that's a good prayer to pray. Uh, second one I suggested is pray for those involved in abortions. Uh, pray specifically for doctors, uh, nurses involved in it. Pray that they'll change their mind. And that happens a lot. Uh, human beings uh, understand. I mean, you've got to be completely detached to do the kind of things that Dr. Teller did. Uh, but any doctor that does abortions, many that do it for very long, it finally gets to them. They, they realize, here's what I'm doing. Uh, and so I pray for them. Pray that they'll change their minds, that they'll begin to do the right thing. Uh, pray for those who have had abortions. Uh, pray that they'll be healed. It's a devastating process, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later, but pray for them. Pray for ladies that are thinking about an abortion or that may come to that situation in their life where they think that's the only thing to do or the right thing to do. Pray that God will put the right person in their life that will talk them out of that. Uh, I had a lady one time, former member of Northside, that had her life pretty messed up, and she called me one night at home and was talking about taking some friend of hers to get an abortion, and her friend wanted her to go with her and all that, and she wanted to know if she could do that. And I listened for a long time, and I finally said, you know the right answer, don't you? She said, yeah, she just wanted to hear somebody say it. She shouldn't participate in that. She should help get her out of that situation. So pray for those kind of people. The last one I suggested is ask God to intervene. God does pay attention. He does get involved in the affairs of men. Uh, we're praying for 37 days about the coming election. And uh, pray for him to intervene. Pray for him to help turn this country toward a culture of life instead of a culture of death. Uh, Ask God to intervene in individual lives. I already said, have him put some person in that person's life that's considering an abortion. Uh, God will intervene. Fourth thing, vote. We already talked about that in some detail last week, so don't need to go over that again. Uh, if everybody who is called by his name, uh, everybody who claims to be a Christian in this country voted, a pro-Christian way, it would change things overnight. It would be a huge shakeup, uh, but we don't exercise that right and vote. Uh, and in a pretty much pro-life state like Kansas, you may think, well, my vote doesn't matter a whole lot. Well, let your representative know about it. You tell them how serious you are about it uh, so that they can speak up in their their role and where they are. So vote. Uh, back page, volunteer. Proverbs 24, verses 11 12, says, Rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering toward slaughter. If you say, but we knew nothing about this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? 
Does not he who guards your life know it? That's a fairly impressive verse on the topic we're talking about. Uh, We're supposed to rescue those who are being led away to slaughter. Uh, And you can do that one way you can do it, in addition to all the other ways we've talked about, is volunteer. There's all kinds of pregnancy crisis centers and adoption clinics and agencies that need help and need volunteer help. Uh, Cindy got an email this week from Brenda Modsley, used to be a member here, and catching up on what she's doing. Uh, She's volunteering two days a week, I believe, at a pregnancy crisis center uh, and was writing about all the the good that she thinks she's doing and the young ladies that she's helping and uh, what they teach them there and how they're bringing many of them to Christ and things. Uh, Lots of volunteer opportunities if you're looking for a way to make a difference in this world. Next one, finance. Uh, We talk about money uh, very rarely around here, but when we do talk about giving, uh, I always talk about you give to the church first. You you give your tithe, if you want to call it that, uh, to support the work here. And then you find a place to sow some seeds. Uh, beyond that, you find a good work that uh, you want to get involved in and help. And then lastly, you sacrifice. You find some other place to put an extra sacrifice for something very special. Uh, if you want to choose to sow some seeds and finance uh, adoption agencies or pregnancy crisis centers or whatever, uh, I think that would be a great thing uh, for you to do and to make a difference in this perhaps. I'll tell you one story about uh, a member of this congregation. I don't think he would care if I mentioned his name, but I, I won't. And I hadn't asked him if I could tell the story publicly, so I won't mention him. But he's an old gentleman, uh, and he feels very strongly about the abortion problem. Uh, and he asked me one time, he said, what, what do you think about it? What do you think we ought to do? And I said, well, I don't think picketing and shooting abortion doctors and all that is the answer for Christians. I think we ought to change one mind at a time. I think we ought to get involved in people's lives and all that. And he said, yeah, that's what I think too. So he went ahead and he told me what he does. And he called uh, basically every pregnancy crisis center in town and told them he wanted to talk to somebody about what they did and how they did it. And, well, they sent somebody out to talk to him and explained their process and what they did and all that. And after he interviewed all of them, he picked the one that he thought was the best. And he told them, he said, here's what I want to do. I want to know how much it costs for one young lady that you take in and support through her nine months of pregnancy uh, to get the baby delivered and then adopted out and all that. Tell me what that costs. So they did. And he said, all right, I want to pay that much. And all I want at the end is I want a picture of the baby. I don't want to meet the woman. I don't want to know anything about it. I just want a picture of the baby when it's born. And I will support that woman through her pregnancy. And how many of those he's done, he hadn't told me. But he continues to do it. Uh, That's pretty good work, folks. Pretty good way to get involved and uh, make a difference in this world. Uh, Next one, reach out. Matthew 11, Jesus' invitation. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
My question on the handout here, who is more burdened than someone who's aborted her child? Uh, Current statistics are 43% of women in America have had an abortion. That's a lot. And we don't talk about what abortion is, and we don't talk about the consequences of it either. Uh, The psychological consequences, the physical consequences. Uh, I just heard on the radio today some new study out about what a much larger percentage uh, chance uh, women have of getting breast cancer if they've had an abortion. Uh, Anything else in the world, if we said, by the way, that causes this much percentage higher of getting breast cancer, everybody had outlawed. You know, didn't matter what it was. Uh, But it's abortion, so we don't talk about that. But physical dangers and psychological. Uh, There is a guilt involved. There is a natural love in mothers, whether we want to admit it or not. And that is a burden on those who have gone through it. Uh, Who's supposed to show them the gentleness of Jesus? His body. Uh, Getting arrested for picketing. If you want to do that, okay. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, But getting arrested for picketing or shooting abortion doctors, that doesn't sound like Matthew 11 to me. I don't think that accomplishes what the body of Christ ought to be accomplishing. Uh, So I'm saying... Reach out to these people. And if 43% of women have had abortions, there's somebody we can reach out to. Uh, And once again, we may not know it. They may not tell us about it. But when we know it, uh, we need to be Christ to them. Last one I put down, because it takes a little while to discuss perhaps, is civil disobedience. Uh, That's not quite as... uh, popular these days as it was. Uh, In fact, I was talking to Dr. Babish last week after we talked about abortion, and she didn't know anything about the summer of mercy here in Wichita back in 91 and all the protests and all the arrests and all that went on there with Operation Rescue. Um, There was much more talk back then about civil disobedience and what Christians ought to do. Uh, So let me just reiterate some things here that might help you if you are trying to decide whether to get involved in something like that, uh, whether it's for abortion or any other purpose. Romans 13 says that the government is ordained of God. We're supposed to submit to governments. First Peter 2 also says we're supposed to submit to government. But that's not universal. Obviously, we're to obey God rather than men. So there are certain times when we disobey governments. Uh, Some Bible examples were uh, Exodus 1 and 2, the Hebrew midwives. Pharaoh said, when a Hebrew has a baby, if it's a boy, kill it. Uh, Infanticide. The Hebrew midwives said, nah, not going to do that. Not going to do that. That's not God's will. So they refused to. Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were told, you bow down to this idol. And they said, no, we're not going to do that. We don't worship any other gods. So we can't. We're going to throw you in the fire. Okay, fine with us. God can save us if he wants to, and if he doesn't, that's all right too. But we're not bound down to that. Now, that's civil disobedience with some heavy consequences. Daniel 6, Daniel did the same thing. They said, you've got to stop praying. He said, no, I'm not. 
Throw me in the lion's den if you want, but I'm not stopping praying. Acts chapter 4 and 5, Peter and John told to stop preaching. They said, nope, can't do that. Uh, We obey God, not men. So there is a fine history of civil disobedience among God's people. Uh, But there are a couple of things in common in all those examples. Uh, Number one, there was a direct, specific conflict between God's will and what man's law said this person had to do. Okay? The midwives were told to personally kill babies. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were told to personally worship an idol. Daniel was told to stop praying. Peter and John were told to stop preaching. So there was a direct, specific conflict. There are lots of things in civil government I disagree with. But they're not direct, specific commands that I do something specifically against God's will. So we need to make sure that's in there. But the second part is, anybody who practiced civil disobedience was willing to pay the consequences. They understood that. I'm a person of God, and the law says I can't do this, or I should do this, and I'm not going to. Uh, You can throw me in the fire if you want. You can put me in the lion's den. That's okay. Uh, But I'm not going to do what's wrong. So if we get to a place where we want to uh, be civilly disobedient, uh, protest in some way that gets us arrest, we better be ready for the arrest. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying there are some things that we may need to do that, and there are going to be probably be more that we need to do as the, if the country doesn't turn toward God pretty quickly. Uh, we may all have a lot more opportunity to be civilly disobedient. Uh, but that's what I... Uh, My general take on civil disobedience, it's okay, uh, as long as you understand I've got a direct conflict, I'm willing to suffer the consequences, and I think it's worth it. Uh, Overall, on this topic, uh, I think we do better to change one mind at a time uh, instead of public protests, but I wouldn't uh, condemn you if you wanted to get involved in public protests. So, hopefully those are some helpful stances that... uh, might help you understand what to do about all that we now understand about this matter of life and death. All right, next time we're together, we will tackle a couple more matters of life and death and uh, see if we can wrap this one up and get on to our next topic. Lesson is yours. If you're here this evening and need to respond to the Lord's invitation, we'd be happy to help you with that. Uh, If you have some need of this family and want the prayers of this family or to share some things with us, uh, we'll be at the front and receive you. Let's stand and sing.